You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. In the United States, poor people tend to die younger. The wealthiest 1% of Americans live more than a decade longer than the poorest 1%. And that gap has grown wider in recent years. There isn't just one reason why this is the case. Where a person lives, how much money they make, and how socially connected they are all affect their well-being. There's an argument in the medical world that people would live longer if healthcare providers could address patients' social needs, like food, housing, and transportation. Welcome to Prognosis, Bloomberg's podcast about the future of healthcare. I'm your host, Michelle Faye Cortez. Some healthcare companies are trying to create new ways of caring for people with complex social and medical needs. They're betting that improving care for these patients will cut costs in the long run by avoiding unnecessary hospital stays. They're also grappling with systemic problems like inadequate housing, low wages, and even discrimination. On this episode of Prognosis, Bloomberg News health reporter John Tazi takes us to Brooklyn, where a new company is trying to overhaul the way medical care is delivered. Toyin Ajayi was a young medical resident when she saw up close how the healthcare system fails people. She was training to be a family doctor in Boston, working in a community clinic and a safety net hospital. A lot of her patients were poor, and they had serious needs that doctors and hospitals weren't helping them with. Toyin told me about it in a recent interview at her office in Brooklyn. Yeah, thanks so much for making time for me. Happy to. The people that I really was passionate about caring for, those are patients whom... um, uh, many of my colleagues, you know, found kind of overwhelming or challenging or more difficult to take care of. Those are people who often had, you know, 10 or 15 medications on their medication list. They had physical illnesses. Some had disabilities. Many patients also had mental health problems or were struggling with substance abuse. They frequently wound up in the hospital and their medical care cost a lot of money, but it wasn't really helping them get better. What I observed was that the healthcare system tended not to dig deep enough to ask why, and that when you sat at the bedside of someone like this and really started to ask why, um, like what's actually happening for you and what matters for you, um, the picture of their experience emerged that showed me um, just how we were failing to address their needs. Toyin says the healthcare system just isn't built for the reality of people's lives. Think about a single mom who's holding down a job but struggling to make ends meet. I think about what our healthcare system would ask 
hard to do in order to access really high quality healthcare. We'd ask her to you know take some time off work. If she's an hourly wage worker, that's like cash out of her pocket. Um, we'd ask her to pay for transportation. We'd ask her to find childcare. We'd ask her to come to us to wait in a waiting room, um, sometimes a really long time. After all that, she gets just a few minutes with a doctor. She may get a prescription or advice to change her diet or exercise more. But even filling a prescription can be difficult. Copays are high and significant, and the burden of getting to the pharmacy and getting your meds is not an insignificant thing for a lot of people in this country. Um, and lifestyle modifications are so dependent on, you know, do you have a safe place to go take a walk around your block? Can you even do that? Um, can you afford to buy organic, healthy, nutritious food? Or is the, you know, the $4 burger meal from Wendy's the best you can afford to do? And how in the world can I think about my nutrition when I don't have the resources to, to begin to even meet my daily needs? Toyin began to think about what it would look like to deliver health care that accommodates the complex reality of people's lives. There was sort of a fundamental overhaul in the way that we think about ourselves as healthcare providers relative to the patients that we're trying to serve that needed to occur in order for us to ever have a, the hope of expecting better outcomes for them. Toyin co-founded a startup in 2017 to do that. It's based in Brooklyn, New York, and it's called City Block Health. The company aims to combine primary care, mental health care, and assistance with a lot of the other non-medical things that can affect people's health. It matters if you're housed. It matters if you have a warm place to sleep at night. It matters if you have enough food to eat. It matters if you have electricity to stay warm in the winter and, and cool in the summer. This is an idea that people in healthcare are talking about more and more. Many aspects of people's lives outside the clinic and the hospital have big consequences for their health. And there's an argument that society could reduce what we spend on medical care by spending more on social services. But that's a contested notion. Here's Ashish Jha, a physician and Harvard public health professor. All of the evidence says that spending on social services, uh, if targeted well, can really have a profound impact on people's lives in very positive ways. But it's not going to pay for itself. It's not going to save you enough money in the healthcare system to justify doing it. You should do it because it's the right thing to do. The same goes for increasing access to primary care. Primary care and preventive services are good things to do to improve people's health. But the reason to do them is for the health reasons. Uh, the reason to do them is not because it will somehow, again, magically uh, pay for itself with all the savings you'll get down the road. There's almost no evidence that it ever uh, does. A recent study in the New England Journal of Medicine showed some of the challenges. Researchers looked at a high-profile experiment in Camden, New Jersey. A randomly selected group of patients who were frequently hospitalized got assistance and home visits from nurses, social workers, and community health workers. The goal was to prevent them from being hospitalized again. But after six months, the patients who got this extra help were just as likely to wind up in the hospital again as similar patients who didn't get the intervention. But Toyin argues that improving care and social support can reduce costs in the long run, at least for the patients who cost the most and who the existing system often fails. Those are the people CityBlock is focused on, patients with complex medical and social needs. They often don't get help with the things they really need, even though they cost the healthcare system a lot of money through frequent hospital trips and emergency visits. A core piece of CityBlock's approach is also caring for people's mental health and addressing substance use. These problems are staggeringly common, but the medical system often doesn't treat them well. 
So trauma, anxiety, and depression being the main ones um, that make physical health worse. It's really hard to motivate to take your medications for your diabetes or your blood pressure when you are feeling so low you can't get out of bed. CityWalk is trying to stitch all these things together, physical health, mental health, and social assistance, in a seamless way. The company is focused on people who are on public insurance programs, including Medicaid and Medicare. Those cover people who are lower income, elderly, or disabled. And CityBlock takes on the most expensive patients. They're struggling with multiple chronic physical health needs. Um, They have mobility needs or disabilities, um, people with serious mental illness and or substance use. And many of them have deep social needs on top of that. So people are struggling with housing insecurity or food insecurity or um, social isolation, challenges with transportation. Um, All of those things um, coalesce to increase the likelihood of poor outcomes for populations with complex needs. The company uses technology to understand those challenges. They built a custom electronic medical record system that tracks members' social needs as well as their physical and mental health. And it allows clinicians and other workers to communicate smoothly to keep members from falling through the cracks. We have visibility across all of those things and then have tools with which to help deliver better care on the social side as well as on the physical health side. We should disclose at this point that one of CityBlock's investors is Sidewalk Labs. That's a subsidiary of Alphabet, the parent company of Google, and it's run by Dan Doktoroff. Doktoroff was CEO of Bloomberg News parent Bloomberg LP until 2014. He's on the board of CityBlock. But let's get back to Toyin. A handful of healthcare organizations across the country have built reputations for improving healthcare for the type of complex patients that CityBlock works with. Toyin worked at one of them, a nonprofit health plan in Massachusetts called the Commonwealth Care Alliance. The inspiration for me and for the rest of our founding team was really about the opportunity to take clinical models that we had seen and tested um, and bring them to scale to populations that wouldn't otherwise have access to these types of um, interventions. CityBlock is betting that it can deliver better care to people who the medical system often fails. But it's more than that. Toyin believes that doing so will also reduce overall spending on medical care. Fundamentally for us, our business is about proving that there is a sustainable business case for improved care and for an improved experience of care for communities who very frequently have not received those things. And so it matters a lot um, that we are not just adding services to the system um, with the promise of um, them being sort of globally felt to be beneficial, but that we're actually held to real-world economics. This is definitely not a charity. The company has raised more than $85 million in venture capital. CityBlock agrees to take care of some of the sickest and most vulnerable patients. It has contracts with insurers like Emblem Health in New York and Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina. And CityBlock makes money if it can reduce the costs for the expensive, complex patients it takes on by keeping them out of the hospital. Let's invest the vast amount of money that we spend in healthcare today. Let's invest some of it on things that we know are going to move the needle for people that really matter. And let's do so with an intent to reduce waste um, and to reduce suffering and to improve time spent at home with people's families and in their communities. There's no question that a lot of people get poor medical care in the United States and that difficult social circumstances make their health outcomes worse. 
The question is whether fixing those problems can also bring down medical costs. Many of these services, we, we as a system haven't yet figured out how to quantify the value of. You know, how, how, how valuable is it in dollars? Is it a $5 thing or a $10 thing or a $20 thing to help support somebody who um, was going to get evicted um, to go to housing court and fill out paperwork and keep their home? It's not that CityBlock thinks there should be a price tag on these things. We don't have a rule book. We don't have a pricing book for these types of services yet. Nor do I think we should in a fee-for-service way because these are actually interventions that have longitudinal value. That means CityBlock hopes to improve members' health over the long term. Even if helping someone keep their home doesn't affect their health this week, it might mean they're healthier a year from now than if they had been evicted. If the company's approach makes patients healthier over time, it will lower costs and CityBlock will get to keep some of the savings. Today, CityBlock is caring for thousands of people in New York, Connecticut, and North Carolina, and it's expanding to Massachusetts soon. I visited a couple of the company's clinics. Actually, CityBlock doesn't call them clinics. It calls them health hubs because they're intended to be more than just a medical office. At a new space in a strip mall in Greensboro, North Carolina, there are paintings from local artists. Inspirational slogans are printed on the walls. Ron Carter, the hub manager, showed me around one day. This one here on the wall says, what matters to you matters to us. Uh And we really believe in that. And obviously we want our members to feel that. There are exam rooms and meeting rooms for counseling. There are also respite spaces where members can make private phone calls or just sit quietly if they want. Eventually, the staff plans to host events like nutrition classes or yoga. The idea is to be a little more like a community center. Laura Muse, the site's manager for community partnerships, told me that was already happening in Greensboro. The members we have, we see every, every, every week. Some come in and just have a glass of water and say hello. We've gotten to that level. Since I visited CityBlock in November in North Carolina, the situation has changed. The company paused most of its operations there in mid-January. CityBlock has a contract with the state's Blue Cross Blue Shield plant to take care of Medicaid patients, but an unrelated state budget standoff delayed funding for the new North Carolina Medicaid program. The company said it hopes to resume when the budget impasse is resolved. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher-level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more. CityBlock has doctors like Toyin and nurse practitioners and labs, but what makes it different from most medical practices is people like Kwesi, who works for CityBlock in Brooklyn. Well, my name is Kwesi, um, Kwesi Peterson. I'm a CHB, um, community health partner. Every patient that CityBlock takes care of is assigned to a community health partner like Kwesi. She has about 40 patients on her roster, and she might visit six or seven of them in any given day. I meet them at their homes, or they come here. Or I've met people in the community I've met members at the um, shelters. Um, I, I go where they're at. Kwesi works closely with CityBlock's medical staff, but she isn't a clinician. She's there to help patients with all the other stuff that can affect their health, like transportation. I've um, picked them up 
from the appointments. Uh-huh. I accompany them to the appointments. One day, she was making a house call when her client took a long time to answer the door. He usually comes to the door very quickly. And this one time, I'm pressing the bell, I'm pressing the bell, and he doesn't come quickly. And I'm like, okay. He did come, and he, he can barely walk. He's a diabetic, and he fell. The man had injured his knee a few days earlier, but he hadn't gotten any treatment. So Kwesi called Toyin. She said, okay, bring him. Don't let him go to the ER. He's going to wait there too long. Toyin examined him at the clinic. So she came here. I brought him here in my car, you know, and um, she took him in right away, did the x-ray. She gave him crutches, the ice pack, all these other things. He left here with a little bag. It's impossible to say what might have happened if Kwesi hadn't visited the man and discovered that he was hurt. Even minor injuries can become serious for people with diabetes because their wounds are slow to heal. An infected wound could even lead to an amputation. Clinicians often see situations where a serious illness could have been avoided if they had reached the patient earlier. So uh, my name is Joanna Jimenez Mejia, and I'm a nurse practitioner. Joanna worked in hospitals and home care before coming to City Block. I felt that it was with some patients, very, very challenging to keep them out of the hospital. And in my opinion, it was because we were coming to these patients when they were already very sick and they were already um, acute. And we were uh, were just a little too late for what they actually needed. CityBlock is trying to build a system that reaches patients before it's too late, when there's still an opportunity to keep them healthy and out of a hospital or nursing home. It relies on people like Kwesi, it also relies on communication software to keep track of patients' needs and coordinate their care. If members give permission, CityBlock's care teams will get real-time alerts when somebody goes to the emergency room. The alert pops up in the chat software Slack that all the CityBlock staff use. Here's Kwesi. So then I will meet them at the hospital if they happen to go into the emergency room and they're admitted. And... Um, even if they're not admitted, I'll go to the ER, find out what's going on. And you should see the face. They'd be so surprised. Kwesi shows up at her patients' houses and at the hospital, but she also shows up to support them in ways that healthcare workers don't normally do. Even going to court, I have members I go to housing court for. I have members that I tell them what's the process. What's because I have been the tenant going to court for not paying rent because I also lost my job. This is an important piece of CityBlock's model. The people working as community health partners are from the places they serve. Kwesi understands the challenges that her clients face because she's faced them herself. My position got phased out at Brooklyn Hospital when my son was born. So I, I had no job, new baby, rent to pay, and you have savings, but when you have a newborn, you're looking for a job, that's saving, and you're paying rent, and you're paying this, it, 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 it depletes quickly. That kind of experience helps Kwesi relate to members who don't always trust doctors or medical institutions. I have people who don't trust. I'm dealing with the distrust of the medical field. So with me now, um, for me to build their trust, like I will meet them where they're at and talk normal. I'm not trying to talk any nine-letter words. You know, I will tell them too, like, I will, if you understand, I have to get to their level. And they will see that I'm not BSing them. Toyin says building trust with patients is essential to improving care over the long term. And it's one of the ways the medical system has failed. 
you think about what um, what it feels like for somebody to walk into a hospital or a clinic. Um, it's an unfamiliar space. Um, you are kind of at their mercy. Um, you're in a thin paper gown. You sit where you're told to sit. Um, and the person comes in and they've got a white coat on it and they've got all these letters on their name and they are, you know, they're typing in a computer. You can't see the screen. You don't know what they're saying about you. There are so many ways in which we reinforce this notion of power um, that is um, that is so antithetical to, to trust building. The problem is particularly acute for people who have historically been marginalized by the medical system or society more broadly. You know, when I talk to my my African-American patients, I not infrequently will people say to me, like, I'm scared to go to the hospital because I don't feel like they treat people like us well. And none of us can, in today's day and age, with all the reporting around this, feign shock about that. We can't say, oh, no, it's just you, you're making that up. It's true. It's true. It's, they feel it because they know it to be true. And the way we pay for health care only makes this gap in trust wider. Doctors are reimbursed for the volume of care they deliver, and the cost of that care is often hidden from patients. It creates incentives to do things to people, um, even when they may not actually deliver value to them. And, and, and we're, we're basically not at all transparent around prices. The pressure on doctors to see more patients in less time has further eroded trust with patients. The worst thing that we've done is we've created such pressure on our clinicians in particular that we have um, made it almost impossible for, for them to just be humans and be human with their patients in ways that for a long time, I think, had surmounted all the other barriers, right? Like if, if I can just sit with you, look in your eyes, you know, put my hand on your hand and tell you that I'm like, I'm here because I want to do best by you, that I will tell you the truth as best as I know it that I will do my very best to help you live your best life. If I, could, if I had 10 minutes to just do that with you, perhaps all the other stuff wouldn't matter. But we've stripped even that away um, so that now our clinicians don't even have the 10 minutes to do that. CityBlock is up against some of the biggest challenges that face our healthcare system and our society. It treats the most expensive, complex patients. It's trying to re-engineer a healthcare system that often doesn't work well for them. And if it does all that, Toyin believes that CityBot can save the system money while improving the lives of the people it so often fails. And that's it for this week's prognosis. Thanks for listening. Do you have a story about healthcare in the U.S. or around the world? We want to hear from you. Find us on Twitter, at Faye Cortez or at Jay Taws. If you are a fan of this episode, please take a minute to rate and review us. It really helps new listeners find the show. And don't forget to subscribe. This episode was produced by Topher Forges. Our story editor was Rick Schein. Special thanks to healthcare team leader, Drew Armstrong. Francesca Levy is head of Bloomberg Podcasts. And we'll be back next week with a new episode. See you then. What could you do if your data was working for you and not against you? With Bloomberg delivering enterprise data directly to your systems, you get easy access to the details you want, optimized for higher level analysis, and financial data experts committed to helping you maximize your every move. Our data is made for more, so you can show the world what you're made of. 
Visit Bloomberg.com slash enterprise data to learn more.